Hi, everybody. Welcome to another version of the Bruce Singer podcast. I'm Bruce Singer. And just about our podcast, it's always about content. Uh, we're working to bring you great content that either inspires or educates learnings. And today's going to be no exception. We have a fabulous guest, Sharon Vinderin. Uh, before I talk about, before I mention, tell you about Sharon, just tell you about myself a bit. I'm the CEO and founder of Canada CFOs, which provides fractional CFOs and part-time CFOs to growing companies, companies that are scaling. And we love the CPG space. We love the food space. We love CPG. And again, today, consumer goods. And today is no exception, of course. Right in line with her theme. So I got to tell you about Sharon. Uh, Sharon is the founder and CEO of Pair. Uh, a parent-tested parent approval, and she'll tell you she'll tell you what that means and what that's all about. Um, very proud, she's won numerous awards. Uh, one of them, Women, Women of Influence Entrepreneur of the Year, and she's won I think three or four or five other Entrepreneur of the Year awards over over time. And I think that's that's just amazing. Um, she's won the top forty under forty. She's also a board member of a tremendous organization called uh, Sheba. Um, and co-chair of the annual Sheba Under the Stars Gala. Uh, Sheba is a medical, it's a hospital in, in, in Israel that's doing some tremendous work, tremendous research, advancing medical science. I've been to their programs. It's, it's unbelievable um, what they're doing. And congratulations, Sharon, for that. And, um, and she's appeared, very interesting. Uh, I just heard this today. She has appeared in over 300 uh, TV appearances Rachel Ray, Headline News, MSNBC, Steve Harvey, Breakfast Television, Canada AM. There's a whole bunch of others, and there's no way I would take up all the 20 minutes. So, yes, <laughs> uh, so she's definitely a, a personality, uh, a thought leader, and an entrepreneur. And we're excited to have her. We're honored to have her on the podcast. And thank you, Sharon, for for joining. Thanks, Bruce. And thanks for that amazing introduction. I feel like I could hire you potentially as my publicist. You did an excellent <laughs> rundown. Thank you. I, I got time management problem. We talked about that. <laughs> anyway, I'd love to. Uh, so let's start the podcast. We always start the podcast by sharing, you know, you have a, you have a journey, which is quite exciting. Uh, please share your story and your journey to everybody. And and including that too, a bit about how how did you get into this business? And we'll talk what, sure. and what the business is. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. So I, I think it's always important to note that I come from two entrepreneurs. So I grew up watching uh, what entrepreneurship really looks like. Uh, when I graduated from university, I actually wanted to be an events coordinator. Um, I had spent most of my youth organizing charity events. Uh, when I graduated, though, I found that nobody actually wanted to pay me to do that. So it was time for a uh, adjustment in terms of the career I wanted to go forward with. Um, I found a technology in Israel, which was uh, wireless radios, which was very innovative at the time. This is the 90s. And we brought that back um, and started a company. It was actually the first wireless internet company in Canada in the wow, 90s. Wow, wow. Yep. Um, it was pretty amazing, really exciting. I founded it with my father and my brother later joined. So it was a family event. Um, and uh, as I got pregnant with my first child, we had an opportunity to sell the company to Primus Telecommunications. So I did that. And I was all excited for maternity leave. And my husband looked at me and laughed and said, if you make it three weeks not working, 
I will give you your own special award. Uh, medal. Um, yeah, pretty much. And he was right because uh, probably shortly after having my first, uh, I was back at work and I was thinking of a product that I could develop as a new mom. Um, after I had my second, which was only 14 months later, I invented a baby product. And it, it was really the impetus to starting parent tested, parent approved. I, um, I invented this baby product and tried to find ways to get it into stores. I applied to an awards organization who promised they would promote it, they would get me out there, get me into stores uh, for the low, low price of $5,000. And as a startup, that's a lot of money. Uh, I spent it only to find out that they really did nothing. They gave you a seal and, and no assets, nothing to help you. And that was really the kick in the butt, I like to say, uh, to spark that next entrepreneurial venture. So Parent Tested, Parent Approved, which is an organization I launched uh, 15 and a half years ago, is based on the idea that when you're a new parent, and as you progress through the stages, there are so many products to choose from. It is completely overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And many of us used to go into stores and pick products based on, oh, this is the most expensive. It must be wonderful. Or it looks the most fabulous in the packaging. But the reality is the best products are the ones that are recommended to us by our peers. And I found that out very quickly, but I realized I could not walk into a store with 20 of my closest friends and say, hey guys, okay, I need a stroller, I need this food, I need this beauty product. So instead I thought, wouldn't it be great if there was a seal of approval that at a glance would let you know that you could trust this product and it had been tested by their peers. And that was the birth, I like to say, of parent tested, parent approved. Interesting. That's where it all started. Interesting. So, so, so you're a serial entrepreneur. Yes. <laughs> Good. I love that. And okay. So we got this. We So that's, you got your vision. You started, you started this because, you know, the consumers like there's a lot of different behaviors about consumers. So I want you to share uh, what's, what's going on with parent, with parent tested, Preston approved. What's going on with trend study? What's going on with consumers? Because uh, sometimes when I buy, I just look for the best price or right. I, I get influenced by TV. Yes. You know, TV yes. tells me to go by this because I don't know. Yeah, so. no, absolutely. And I, th I think one of the biggest trends we're seeing is, or one of the hottest topics rather, is consumer trust. Okay. So consumer trust is at a very precarious stage right now. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it comes back to peer endorsements because those are the people that you can trust. Like any product that carries our seal has been tested independently by consumers in their homes. It's not just an editorial or a vote as to who thinks what product is great. So when consumers are going online to make a purchase, they're inevitably looking at e-reviews. And we know that e-reviews are a huge business all on their own. People are incentivized to leave positive reviews. I actually did a post the other day about the fact that I purchased something on Amazon and I left a negative review. And I've since received 12 emails from overseas claiming to be Amazon customer service in some of those cases, telling me that if I remove my uh, negative review, I will receive $30 via PayPal. And there, I'm, we're at 12 now. I just want to see how far they're going to go with this. But what it leads me to think is 
how many people actually took that $30 and changed their negative review into a positive one, making it not a trustworthy source of information, right? It's it's a huge business. Interesting. You know, I just learned something today. I never, I haven't experienced it. It's not something. Yep, yep absolutely. It's, it's, yeah. it's actually it's ridiculous. Like people are influenced. So then there's scammers. Who knows who, what scams are, are out there too when people send you an email. Look at that. Sorry yeah, and, oh, and, yeah, and lots of websites are now, like Sephora is a great example. They let you filter reviews by incentivized versus non-incentivized. And usually the vast majority of the reviews are in the incentivized section. And in the incentivized section, they tend to be positive. Consumers believe that if they leave a positive review, they're going to continue to get more incentives. So it is really difficult as a consumer to know what to trust, who to trust, and how to make that purchasing decision. Um, so I, I think that is one of the hottest topics right now. And ironically, that's that's the whole basis on which I built the business. How do you establish trust with the consumer instantly, authentically? And obviously, I'm going to say that our seal of approval, because it's peer tested, is a great starting point in terms of authenticity. You know that other families have tested that product. I think also asking peers when you're making purchasing decisions about their independent experience with the product is very valuable. You said you purchase based on ads you see on TV. Obviously, I've those ads are going to say the product's positive, yeah. right? Yeah. But you actually know how great the product is. Luckily, I think the fact that a lot of retailers have great return policies I think is a really important component. Obviously, if you're not doing, you're not looking at it from the food perspective. Um, but otherwise, it is a challenging, challenging space to be in right now. So how does, so, yep, yeah, we thought, uh, talking about brands, like that's what it really comes down to. It's, it's building a brand or building brand trust, uh, which can be one and gone. And <laughs> yep. It no, there was a story recently about somebody just brand. I don't remember the story, but I read somewhere some brand got crushed uh, very quickly. Um, doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. So, so because uh, a brand means so many things, it means trust, but also means price. Like, like how does it all come together? Like, yeah, because I, I mean, I admit I bought on price. You know, I can go like I see a product. I to me, I think I, I'm not going to mention what they are, but I mean, it's a commodity. You know, they're all the same. Yes. Yep. So I go to the store and whatever's on sale, I I, 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 go, with the, I go with the best price. Yeah. You know? And I think I, yeah. I think during these economic times, that is absolutely a trend. And <clears throat> we did some research before COVID, and I like to call it post-COVID, even though I think we're not post-COVID yet. Um, and interestingly enough, prior to COVID, people were open to buying only based on price, but at the same time, they felt private label products by retailers were not quite at par and they weren't necessarily willing to move from their trusted brand to a retailer's private label product. COVID, because of supply chain shortages, really changed the way people thought and it forced people to try new brands. So all of a sudden, private label became something that moved up in the, on the ladder from um, my perception is this is low price, so it's going to be low quality to 
this is low price and it's pretty great quality. So all of a sudden consumers are open to trying new products, are establishing loyalty with some of these new products, and they're a combination of good quality, lower prices, and realizing that you don't have to buy the most expensive product in the marketplace to have a great product experience. Interesting. That's very interesting. So that's the trend that that's the trend that's going on today. Yeah, that's what we're seeing. And I mean, I think sustainability is a really big one. Uh, in a recent survey that we did, it was part of that uh, pre-COVID and post-COVID survey. Pre-COVID, sustainability was something that was incredibly important to consumers, but they were willing to pay less than 2% more in order to buy a sustainable product. In our most recent survey, they are willing to pay between 10 to 15% more to buy a sustainable product. So even though we are in challenging economic times, interest rates, inflation, all-time highs, people want to purchase products that are going to have a positive impact on their lives, but are not going to have a negative impact on the planet, which I think is a fantastic trend. That's a big, that's a big one, yeah. Yeah, it, it, and it's a, and I, I think the big winners within the industries, the various industries. I just did something on, um, on hygiene, diapers, things like that. The winners are going to be the ones that figure out how to create something that is sustainable, but is not okay. the most expensive product on the shelf, because that's what consumers are looking for. You know what? What you're saying is these are very innovative times. Uh, yes. Time to innovate, and all you know also. Companies are attracted, like investors are attracted to companies like too. It's all part of the whole ecosystem, you know. It, it's really very interesting uh, because I go into a store and I look like at packaging. I look to at packaging is a, is a very wide. Okay, plastic. What are they making with? I, 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 I my behaviors, my behaviors have definitely shifted. Yeah, yeah. And and I think you are part of a crowd, right? Lots of people are starting to think that way, feel that way. Um, and they want to trust the brands they are buying from. They want to know that they have, uh, they're buying from a company that shows some semblance of corporate responsibility, um, doesn't just say it, but acts on it. Those are really important things to um, the generations that have the most buying power at this point. I wonder, can you comment, I wonder, how does it affect, does it tie into like food and beverage? Because what tr I mean, trust is there too, but it's also taste. Yes. Like, how does it? How does that? I'm just curious. How yeah. does that? How does that come? Because that used to be the number. I mean, it gets complicated. <laughs> it used to be, yeah, for sure. You know. Yeah. I I mean, when it comes to food, because food is not a massive investment. When you're buying a product. You are more likely to be open to trying it once because maybe it's $4, maybe it's $6. It's not a $200 vacuum, right? And if the taste isn't there, you are moving on to the next product very quickly. So the brand has that opportunity to capture you, of course, through the packaging, of course, through the innovative displays that they're coming up with now, um, of course, through their sustainability claims, their awards claims. But like you said, taste at the end of the day when it comes to food is going to be the number one deciding factor and if you can find something that's tasty and lower priced that tends to be what you're going to stick with and that's what we saw with private label you know retailers are coming out 
with brands that are just as good as the national brands, but are at a lower price. And I think, um, you know, there's certain retailers, especially in the Canadian marketplace, who've really upped their game in terms of, what's the right word, classying up their private retail yeah. brands. So they don't look like this generic brand. And there are brands, private label retailers out there who've left it very generic looking. And the problem with that, based on our survey results, is that it leaves the perception of cheap and low quality. So I understand not wanting to invest a lot, but investing in the graphic design could even have a huge impact on perception. Even if you're not changing the entire packaging, if you're changing the look of that packaging, it's, you can really impact the consumer. It's, it's so true. It, it's so true. Because look at, like, it's so true. <laughs> yeah. Right. I have that, and that's not really a perception because it could be the wrong perception. Some of the quality is there, but I have the perception. And sometimes, I don't people know this, the, the the brand that manufactures the brand product is the same company manufacturing yep. the yep. just made a, a deal. You know what I mean? That's exactly <laughs> it. It's the same product. Or it, it is a little, literally a little variation. Same, like a little variation. The same product and maybe they've taken exactly. out a morsel of sugar or a morsel of salt. Exactly. Or it's, or it's, they, or it's lavender. It, it it the detergent was lavender. Now it's lemon fresh. Anyway, you know, exactly. This has been, this has yeah. been very, very insightful. Very insightful. Sharon, is there, before we end the podcast, sure. is there anything else that, that I did? We didn't talk about that. Maybe you just want to share at the end of all this. And, and uh, I mean, really, at the end of the day, I think as you know, brands that are listening to the podcast, I think the notion of, you know, creating a great brand and assuming people are going to be loyal to you forever is a thing of the past. You know, my mom used to be loyal to a national brand. And now it's like, okay, Whoever's product happens to look good on the shelf that day is who she's going with or she's looking for an award. Consumers, what we have found, are looking for any excuse to pick your product over the competitor's product. Because when you're standing in front of a shelf and you have 20 options, how do you make a decision? So finding a way to differentiate your product on a shelf, obviously it's nice if you have parent tested, fair and approved, but... Having something that will draw the consumer to your product and make it stand out from the competition, those are the brands that are going to win. It's all about differentiation. You're so true. And I'm going to add something because I'm a finance person. I'm going to add something too. You may, excuse me, blow your brains out on brand development, brand advertising, whatever you want to call it. That may that may be not the entire strategy. Right. You know. So when you look yep. at your budgets and costs, because that tends to be the, the the way is, you know, marketing, marketing, marketing. And yes, yeah. it's all marketing, but it's where you might want to see, you might be spending your dollars in a, in a different way. And that's another, that's a whole other discussion, you know? It's, it's <laughs> that's going to be podcast follow-up number two. That's podcast follow-up number two is, <laughs> okay. Sharon, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you. This was really fun. Thanks so much, Bruce. Fun, yeah. It was interesting. And everybody have a wonderful day. And we'll get you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.